Chapter Nine of *The Prelude to Adventure* by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine: Revelation of Bunning. Two. One. The next day the frost broke, and after a practice game on the Sol's ground, in preparation for a rugby match at the end of the week, Olva, bathed and feeling physically a fine, overwhelming fitness, went to see Margaret Craven this sense of his physical well-being was extraordinary mentally he was nearly beaten almost at the limit of his endurance spiritually the catastrophe hovered more closely above him at every advancing moment but physically he had never in all his life before felt such magnificent health he had been sleeping badly now for weeks he had been eating very little but he felt no weariness no faintness it was as though his body were urging upon him the importance of his resistance as though he were perceiving too with unmistakable clearness the cleavage that there was between body and soul and indeed this vigour did give him an energy to set about the numberless things that he had arranged to fill every moment of his day the many little tinkling bells that he had set going to hide the urgent whisper of that other voice he carried his day through with a rush a whirl so that he might be in bed again at night almost before he had finished his dressing in the morning no pause no opportunity for silence and now he must see margaret craven see her for herself but also see her to talk to her about her brother how much did rupert craven know how much and here was the one tremendous question had he told his sister as olva waited once again in the musty hall saw once more the dim red glass of the distant window smelt again the scent of oranges his heart was beating so that he could not hear the old woman's trembling voice how would margaret receive him would there be in her eyes that shadow of distrust that he always saw now in rupert's his knees were trembling and he had to stay for an instant and pull himself together before he crossed the drawing-room threshold and then he was instantly reassured margaret was alone in the dim room and as she came to meet him he saw in her approach to him that she had been wanting him in her extended hands he found a welcome that implied also a need he felt as he met her and greeted her and looked again into the grave tender eyes that he had been wanting so badly ever since he had seen them last that there was nothing more wonderful than the way that their relationship advanced between every meeting they met exchanged a word or two and parted but in the days that separated them their spirits seemed to leap together to crowd into lonely hours a communion that bound them more closely than any physical intimacy could do oh i'm so glad you've come i had hoped it wanted it he sat down close to her his dark eyes on her face you're in trouble i can see she bent her eyes gravely on the fire and as slowly she tried to put together the things that she wished to say he felt in her earnest thoughtfulness a rest a relief so wonderful that it was like plunging his body into cool water after a long and arid journey no it is nothing i don't want to make things more overwhelming than they are only it is i think simply that during these last days when mother and rupert have both been ill i have been overwhelmed 
Rupert? Yes, we'll come to him in a moment. You must remember, she smiled up at him as she said it, that I'm not the least the kind of person who makes the best of things. In fact, I'm not a useful person at all. I suppose being abroad so long with my music spoiled me, but whatever it is, I seem unable to wrestle with things. They frighten me, overwhelm me. As I say, I'm frightened now. He looked up at her last word and caught a corner reflection in the old gilt mirror, a reflection of a multitude of little things, silver boxes, photograph frames, old china pots, little silk squares, lying like scattered treasures from a wreck on a dark sea. What are you frightened about? Well, there it is. Nothing, I suppose. Only I'm not good at managing sick people, especially when there's nothing definitely the matter with them. It's a case with all three of us, a, a case of nerves. Well, that's as serious a thing as any other disease. Yes, but I don't know what to do with it. Mother lies there all day. She seldom speaks. She scarcely eats anything. She entirely refuses to have a doctor. But worse than that is the extraordinary feeling that she has had during this last week about Rupert. She refuses to see him, Margaret Craven finally brought out refuses yes she says that he is altered to her she says that he will not let her alone that he is imagining things poor rupert is most terribly distressed he is imagining nothing he would do anything for her he's devoted to her since when has she had this idea you remember the day that you came last when rupert came in and had found your matchbox it began about then of course rupert has not been well he's never been well since that dreadful death of mr carfax and certainly since that day when you were here i think that he's been worse strange utterly unlike himself sleeping badly eating nothing poor poor rupert i would do anything for him for them both but i am so utterly utterly useless what can i do she finally appealed to him you said once, he answered her slowly, that I could help you. If you still feel that, tell me, and I will do anything, anything. You know that I will do anything. They came together in that terrible room like two children out of the dark. He suddenly caught her hand, and she let him hold it. Then, very gently, she withdrew it. I think that you can make all the difference, she answered slowly. Mother often speaks of you i told you before that she wants so much to see you and if you would do that if you would go up for just a little time and sit with her i believe you would soothe her as no one else can i don't know why i feel that but i know that she feels it too you are restful she said suddenly with a smile flung up at him and again as on the earlier occasion he shrank from the thing that she asked him he had felt from the very moment this afternoon that he had entered the house that that thing would be asked of him mrs craven wanted him he could feel the compulsion of her wish drawing him through walls and floors and all the obstructions of the world of course i'll go he said ah that will help it would be so good of you poor mother it's lonely for her up there all day and i know that she thinks about things about father and it's not good for her you might perhaps say a word too about rupert i cannot imagine what it is that she is feeling about him 
she paused and then with a sigh rising from their chair longingly brought out oh but for all of us to get away out of this house out of this place that's the thing we want she stood there in her black dress so simply so appealingly before him that it was all that he could do not to catch her in his arms and hold her he did indeed rise and stand beside her and there in silence with the dim room about them the oppressive silence so ominous and sinister they came together with a closeness that no earlier intercourse had given them olva seemed for a short space to be relieved from his burdens for them both so young so helpless against powers that were ruthless in the accomplishment of wider destinies they were allowed to find in these silent minutes a brief reprieve then with the sudden whirring and shrill clatter of an ancient clock action began again but before the striking hour had entirely died away he said to her whatever happens we are at any rate friends we can snatch a moment together even out of the worst catastrophe you're afraid her breath caught and she flung a look about the room one never knows it is all so strange there in dresden everything was so happy so undisturbed the music and one's friends it was all so natural and now here with rupert and mother it's like walking in one's sleep well i'll walk with you he assured her but indeed that was exactly what it was like he thought as he climbed the old and creaking stairs how often had one dreamed of the old dark house the dusty latticed windows the stairs with the gaping boards at last that thin dark passage into which doors so dimly opened that had black chasms at either end of it whose very shadows seemed to demand the dipping of some distant water and the shudder of some trembling blind in a dream too there was that sense of inevitability of treading unaccustomed ways with an assured accustomed tread that was with him now the old woman who had conducted him stopped at a door hidden by the dusk and knocked she opened it and wheezed out mr doon ma'am and then standing back for him to pass left him inside as the door closed he was instantly conscious of an overwhelming desire for air a longing to fling open the little diamond-paned window the ceiling was very low and a fierce fire burned in the fireplace there was little furniture only a huge white bed hovered in the background ova was conscious of a dark figure lying on a low chair by the fire a figure that gave you instantly those long white hands and those burning eyes that gave you afterwards more slowly the rest of the outline but its supreme quality was its immobility that head that body those hands never moved only behind its dark outline the bright fire crackled and flung its shadows upon the wall i am sorry that you were not so well mrs craven's dark eyes searched his face you are restful to me i like you to come but i would not intrude upon your time olva said i am very glad to come if i can be of any service if there's anything that i can do the eyes seemed the only part of her body that lived. It was the eyes that spoke. No, there is nothing that anyone can do. I do not care for talking. 
soon i will be downstairs again i hope it is lonely for my daughter there is rupert at the mention of the name her eyes were suddenly sheathed it was like the instant quenching of some light she did not answer him tell me about yourself what you do what you care about your life he told her a little about his home his father but he had a strange overwhelming conviction that she already knew he felt also that she regarded these things that he told her as preliminaries to something else that he would presently say he paused yes she said i am tiring you i have talked enough it is time for me to be back in college she did not contradict him she watched him as he said good-bye for one moment he touched her chill unresponsive hand for an instant their eyes dark and sombre met the thought flew to his brain my god how lonely she is and then my god how lonely i am slowly and quietly he closed the door behind him two that night the shadow was nearer more insistent the closer it came the more completely was the real world obscured this obscurity was now shutting out from him everything it was exactly as though his whole body had been struck numb so that he might touch might hold but could feel nothing again it was as though he were confined in a damp underground cell and the world above his head was crying out with life and joy in his hand was the key of the door he had only to use it submission to be taken into those arms to be told gently what he must do and then obedience perhaps public confession perhaps death struggling ignominious death at least never again margaret craven never again her companionship her understanding never again to help her and to feel that warm sure clasp of her hand what would she say what would she do if she were told that remained for him now the one abiding question but he could not doubt what she would do he saw the warmth fading from the eyes the hard stern lines settling about the mouth the cold stiffening of her whole body no she must never know and if rupert discovered the truth he olva must force him for his sister's sake to keep silence but if rupert knew he would tell his sister and she would believe him no use denials then and on the side of it all there was the shadow with him now with him in the room all things betray thee who betrayest me the line from some poem came to him it was true true his life that had been the life of a man was now the life of a liar liar to his friends liar to margaret liar to all the world so his shuddering soul cowered there naked creeping into the uttermost corner to escape the presence if only for an hour he might be again himself might shout aloud the truth boast of it triumph in it be naked in the glory of it day by day the pressure had been increased day by day his loneliness had grown day by day the pursuit had drawn closer and now he hardly recognized the real from the false he paced his room frantically he felt that on the other side of the bedroom door there was terror he had turned on all his lights 
a furious fire was blazing in the grate beyond the windows cold stars and an icy moon but in here stifling heat when bunning the clocks were striking eleven came blinking in upon him he was muttering let me go let me go i killed him i tell you i'm glad i killed him oh let me alone for pity's sake let me alone i can't confess don't you see that i can't confess there's margaret i must keep her afterwards when she knows me better i'll tell her as he faced bunning's staring glasses the thought came to him am i going mad has it been too much for me mad he stopped wheeled around caught the table with both hands and leaned over to bunning who stood his mouth open his cap and gown still on ova very gravely said come in bunning shut the door sport it that's right take off your gown and sit down the man still staring white and frightened sat down ova spoke slowly and very distinctly i'm glad you come i want to talk to you i killed carfax you know as he said the words he began slowly to come back to himself from the other world to this one how often sleeping waking had he said those words how often aloud in his room with his door locked had he almost shouted them he was not now altogether sure whether bunning were really there or no his spectacles were there his boots were there but was bunning there if he were not there but he was there Olva's brain slowly cleared, and for the first time for many weeks he was entirely himself. It was the first moment of peace that he had known since that hour in St. Martin's Chapel. He was quiet, collected, perfectly calm. He went over to the window, opened it, and rejoiced in the breeze. The room seemed suddenly empty. Five minutes ago it had been crowded, breathless. There was now only bunning it was so awfully hot with that enormous fire he said bunning's condition was peculiar he sat his large fat face white and streaky beads of perspiration on his forehead his hands gripping the sides of the armchair his boots stuck up in the most absurd manner like interrogation marks he washed olva's face fearfully at last he gasped i say duna you are ill you are, are really you, you're overdone you ought to see someone you know you ought really you ought to go to bed his words came in jerks ova crossed the room and stood looking down upon him no bunning i'm perfectly well there's nothing the matter with me my nerves have been a bit tried lately by this business keeping it all alone and it's a great relief to me to have told you the fact forced itself upon bunning's brain at last in a husky whisper you killed carfax and then the favourite expression of such weak souls as he oh my god oh my god now look here don't get hysterical about it you've got to take it quietly as i do you said the other day you'd do anything for me well now you've got a chance of proving your devotion my god my god the boots feebly tapped the floor i had to tell somebody it was getting on my nerves i suppose it gives you a kind of horror of me don't mind saying so if it does bunning taking out a grimy handkerchief wiped his forehead he shook his head without speaking olva sat down in the chair opposite him and lit his pipe i want to tell somebody all about it you weren't really i suppose the best person to tell 
you're a hysterical sort of fellow and you're easily frightened but you happened to come in just when i was rather worked up about it at any rate you've got to face it now and you must pull yourself together as well as you can move away from the fire if you're hot bunning shook his head olva continued i'm going to try to put it quite plainly to you the carfax part of it i mean there are other things that have happened since that i needn't bother you with but i'd like you to understand why i did it oh my god said bunning he was trembling from head to foot and his fat hands rattled on the woodwork of the chair and his feet rattled on the floor i met carfax first at my private school a little fat dirty boy he was then and fat and dirty he's been ever since i hated him but i was always pleasant to him he wasn't worth being angry with he always did rotten things he knew more filthy things than the other boys and he was a bully a beastly bully i think he knew that i hated him but we were on perfectly good terms i think he was always a little afraid of me but it's curious to remember that we never had a quarrel of any kind until the day when i killed him olva paused and asked bunning to have a drink bunning gazing at him with desperate eyes shook his head then we went on to rugby together it's odd how fate has apparently been determined to hammer out our paths side by side carfax grew more and more beastly he always did the filthiest things and yet out of it all seemed to the world at large a perfectly decent fellow he was clever in that way i'm not trying to defend myself i'm making it perfectly straightforward and just as it really was he knew that i knew him better than anybody and as we went on at rugby i think that his fear of me grew i didn't hate him so much for being carfax but rather as standing for all sorts of rotten things it didn't matter to me in the least whether he was a beast or not i'm a beast myself but it did matter that he should smile about it and have damp hands when i touched his hand i always wanted to hit him i've got a very sudden temper all my family are like that calm most of the time and then absolutely wild i hated him more up here at college than i'd hated him at school he developed and still his reputation was just the same decent fellows like craven followed him excused him he had that cheery manner hating him became a habit with me i hated everything that he did his rolling walk down the court his red color his football and then he ruined that fellow thompson that was a poor game but no one seemed to think anything of it and indeed he and i seemed to be very good friends he used to sneer at me behind my back i know but i didn't mind that anyone's at liberty to sneer if they like but he was really afraid of me always then at last there was this girl that he set about destroying he seduced her promised her marriage i knew all about it because she used to be rather a friend of mine i warned her but she was absolutely infatuated wouldn't hear of anything that i had to say thought it was all jealousy she wasn't the kind of girl who could stand disgrace she came to him one day and told him that she was going to have a baby he laughed at her in the regular old conventional way and that very afternoon after he had seen her he met me there in sanit wood he began to boast about it 
told me jokingly about the way that he'd shut her mouth as he called it laughed i hit him i meant to hit him hard i hated him so i think that i wanted to kill him all the accumulated years were in that blow i suppose at any rate i caught him on the chin and it broke his neck and he dropped that's all olva paused finished his drink and ended with there it is it's simple enough i'm not in the least sorry i killed him i've no regrets he was better out of the world than in it and i've probably saved a number of people from a great deal of misery i thought at first that i should be caught but they aren't very sharp around here and there was really nothing to connect me with it but there were other things there's more in killing a man than the mere killing i haven't been able to stand the loneliness so i told you the last words brought him back to bunning a person whom he had almost forgotten a sudden pity for the man's distress made his voice tender i say bunning i oughtn't to have told you it's been too much for you but if you knew the relief that it is to me though mind you if it's on your conscience if it burdens you you must out with it don't have any scruples about me but it needn't burden you you hadn't anything to do with it you were here and i told you that's all i've shown you that i want you as a friend for answer the creature burst suddenly into tears hiding his face in his sleeve as small boys hide their faces and choking out desperately oh my god oh my god end of chapter nine